atriums where it all started. I'll give them that. Now, that's not to say that what happened wouldn't have happened anywhere. Us up in Calvary were already organising in the factories. The Spirits and Tails End had been fighting for their right to community for years. But, to be fair to them, when Atrium stood up and declared itself a free ward, that sparked something. How did Store put it? He let us see the unfettered possibilities of our action. What we've been doing before was necessity. We stood up because it was better than being pulverised like a fig under some well-heeled boot. After Atrium, we could dream of reconfiguring things. We had a purpose. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. I'm talking about Atrium, and you've got no idea what or where it is. Back then, it was a forgotten sort of place. A few faded streets. Not even a ward in its own right. All of Embrace has its weirdness to deal with from our departed remnants. But Atrium had more than most. Jammed between the docks and the tier, the jackals and the customs. It was a proud place, but a kind of pride that sees you keep your head down and pull your mates closer when you take a knock. Better to have trust and faith in your way of doing things than risk fighting the world. Honestly, we never really thought they had it in them to do what they did. But then I guess none of us saw what happened with the temple coming. Welcome to these Flimsy Rituals, an actual play podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today are Ryan Evans. Hi, I'm Ryan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. And Elizabeth Smokes. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. You can find me on Twitter at CSilfGames. I'm your host, Adam Dixon. Uh, you can follow me at AdTDixon. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. And you can find our website at FlimsyRituals.com. So today, we're going to be continuing our game of The Ground Itself by Everest Pipkin. The Ground Itself is a game about places over time. In it, we park our camera on a single location, and we watch it as it evolves over four different cycles. So in the last session, we kind of set up our location, and we set up a location called Atrium which is kind of an old, faded district between, like, three dangerous forces in the city of Embrace. Embrace is, essentially, it's an island city at the tributary to two rivers and has great bridges leading to either bank and has kind of built itself on the trade that passes by. It's built on the bodies of two gods, Kadroya, who is a remnant of whirlpools and mazes, and... Rodella, who is a remnant of the Dawn, and they were both killed centuries or millennia ago by the inhabitants of Embrace, but they still have weird effects on the landscape around them. So last session we created kind of the backdrop for our story. This session we're going to be playing out what happens and discovering more about it in the moment of our cycles, of our eras. One of the things we've decided to do is, because we've got quite a large group, is we've split up into two different play sessions. 
So we're going to play through the first two cycles of the game, and then the second two cycles will be played by Beck, Fryn, and Steve. So, this first era, I think we decided was a couple of years before when our main campaign is going to start. So a couple of years before the like revolution kicks off. And just to guide people through what we're doing and how this plays, the way the ground itself works is we use the face cards to set up our like focus. And for the second phase, we're going to be using the cards that are ace through to 10 of each seat. So we're going to take it in turns, and on our turn, we're going to draw one of these cards, and we're either going to answer the question based on it, or we're going to take one of the different optional actions, which we'll get to in a minute. So the first time we draw a card of a particular value, so for example, the first time we draw an ace, we will answer the first question associated with it. The second time we'll answer the second question and so on. So the more a particular value of card turns up, the further we're going to get in that list of questions. One card we are looking out for are the tens. So when we draw a ten, we're going to roll a dice and we're going to move forwards or backwards equal to like our unit of time. So we rolled weeks last time. So we'll move between one and six weeks forward or backward. Okay, so uh, who would like to go first? Okay, well, I'm happy to go first if we need to. Go for it. That sounds like a good plan. A seven. So, what is the most beautiful thing in or about our place? So I think what is most beautiful about this place is actually some architecture. I think that what's happened is with the remains of the um, remnant, I think what's happened is, you know, like uh, Petra in Jordan, what I think they've done is they've um, carved a church or a temple sort of into the vertebrae that's left of the remnant spine. Oh, that's really nice. So I think they've they've sort of carved this building just into the the open face of the vertebrae that's left sort of sticking out of the ground. And yeah, I imagine it's like incredibly ornate and maybe it's one of the main it could even be like a cathedral, I think. Sort of like a main gathering place to whatever religion that they observe here. I both love and hate that. It's really nice. I imagine it's like stunning. And it's probably like something that everyone kind of values in this community, even if the rest of it kind of goes a little bit shoddy. I imagine they probably maintain this. Yeah, and I think that even if people don't follow that religion, they still recognize it as a thing of beauty. Okay, so Sis, would you like to go next? Yes. All right. Um, the first four. What is the primary building or natural material of our place? Bone, bone, bone. Well, I think it's kind of bones plus fleshy trees, which, so that's two, but we have both of those. I'm just kind of picturing the kind of architecture that would make for all of the houses, where it's part big chunks of bone and part kind of a fleshy wood so you'd have some bits that are they you're able to carve into like 
Ryan was saying for the cathedral, you can carve into bone really ornately, but with the um, kind of the fleshy, pulpy wood would have a really different texture and having those two together sounds terrible and nice. I think that is the that is the abundant resource in this area. And yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I imagine there's like a tanning process, right? That makes a lot of sense, like a lot of leathery stuff. There's maybe like some fibrous bits as well. Oh, that sounds nice because you could dye it as well. So you have in the wealthier bits of this, oh, I guess because it was all quite nice to begin with, that you have quite faded, maybe like purples or reds or blue roofs that are this tree, but just dyed really brilliant colors that's faded over time. I really like that. And like one of the other things I was thinking is like a lot of embraces probably made from a lot of stone. And I was wondering like, is this place just totally different to that because it's so close to a forest or does some of that stone work make its way in? I think there are some newer buildings that don't really understand the spirit of this place. Like the whole, this is our place and we're using what's here of this community where they're using the trees and they're using the bone. And there's some newer buildings that are just like, well, we've always used stone, so we're just going to ship some in. And they just kind of, they're frowned upon by the community that's always been here. I was like, why would, why would you do that when you could have bone that you carve day by day, just like adding little bit of little details to your home and have the dyed, tree that's from like your hometown like your home home district bringing in stone is so unnecessary and also just isn't as exciting yeah it doesn't look good i mean i kind of like part of the reason for that being that there's kind of not that much of the bone of the actual remnant left there's still like loads in the forest but i imagine like those big bits of bones have mostly been used And maybe it's just more expensive and people are like, well, you know, there's part fashion, part expense or part like availability. Yeah. But it just, the people, all the people who own or live in the older buildings are just kind of like, ah, that's not really in keeping with our aesthetic here. That makes sense. Okay. I'm going to take my turn. Okay. So I've drawn a six. Which gives me the question, what is the most horrible thing in or about our place? So this is maybe like something I'm not that interested in, actually. Like, I feel like we've maybe covered it a bit with the forest. Instead, what I'm going to do is the second kind of action, which is enter a focus situation. So when you enter a focus situation, you discard the card that you've drawn. And you do one of a selection of actions instead. So different actions you can do, you can tell a story, which is the player briefly adopts a persona and tells a story from their perspective. You can throw a party, which is the player describes the situation of the party and we all kind of create a character and act it out. You can discover something, which is you bring something new into the game, whether that's an event, a thing discovered, or a threat. You can see an omen and either warn or like foreshadow something in the future. You can leave the frame, which allows us to move our camera and see maybe another part of the city or the world. Or we can even move on and just pass our turn. I think the focus situation action I'd like to do here is for a party. 
So what happens here is the player describes the situation of the party. And then every player picks or invents a character or thing that attends. Roleplay or narrate as these characters, chatting idly, dancing, having cake, or merely existing in splendor. Topics of the larger story or situation may come up in these conversations, but do not act on the big things in a tangible way at the party. They're just a topic of gossip for a very good day. So yeah, we just kind of showcase what life is like at a good moment in this place. And I feel like that's a really nice thing to do right now. So I think what this party is, I think in the forest under the rib, which is kind of made up of these trees that are both sort of made of bone trunks and kind of fleshy leaves, all of these trees have flowers. And once a year, at the start of summer, when they bloom, they they glow. So like Rodella, these flowers kind of are bright like the dawn. They kind of give off this great shining light all around. And maybe this lasts for a few months, but like the first bloom is something that we all kind of come together to celebrate. And I think that's maybe what this is. Maybe it happens in this main street that kind of passes through Atrium. There's a street party that goes from the temple in the west down to the forest. And the entire road is kind of taken up by stalls and partygoers and dances and carnivals and all of that stuff. And so we all get to invent a character and kind of just act it out for a little bit. So does anyone have any ideas for who their characters are? Yes, I do. Okay. I'm going to play as Rolf. Rolf? Rolf, yeah, who is a butcher builder. Is he one of the people who does stuff with the trees? Yeah. So I think uh, he he's kind of like I think the closest thing would be maybe like a um a woodworker in the sense that he, you know, he he carves this flesh wood or maybe even makes like ornate carpentry sort of thing so he like spends time making cabinets or he makes uh, door frames or doors or things like that but out of the flesh wood yeah that makes sense i i think i've just thought about a name for this festival it's probably called the festival of the first bloom um who would you like to play this well i was initially thinking maybe like a food seller someone someone who owns a cart and sells food but I'm also wondering about a trinket seller okay. from one of the big tube worms of stuff. It's like one of the, like, almost like treasure hunters, I imagine. Yeah. Well, I actually think of them more as dodgers. Okay. Because you're kind of like climbing this tree of slime, trying to find stuff that's good. Yeah. And it's a little bit looked down on. But you might be able to find something amazing. I'm happy to have other opinions, but in my mind, they're kind of like Dodgers. No, I'm into which, that. Which I guess if you don't know what a Dodger is, it's it's like a person that goes down to the sewers looking for treasure, right? Okay, yeah. I think I might play as someone that's just kind of entered our screen. So I think I'm going to play as one of the pamphleteers who are kind of like the faction and guild who kind of do newspapering in the city. And I think the character is called LV Petit. And yeah, I think I've come from somewhere else in the city to kind of write about it for the day. Nice. And maybe 
brought you two to one side as like locals who have like industry in the woods and are like interviewing you both. If that makes sense. Yeah. So what were you both doing as I like pulled you to one side? What sort of festivities take place? I imagine there's lots of there's lots of dancing. Mm. So I would imagine that my character is doing lots of dancing in the festival, keeping an eye out for people that look like they have money and are not from this area to yeah, try and peddle the bits of sparkly jewelry and fancy materials that I have found. Yeah. So maybe that's kind of how I built a rapport with you is like, I don't really want to buy anything from you, but like, you know, I kind of buy something cheap so you'll talk to me for a little bit. Yeah. Hi, I, I, I'm Elvie. Elvie Pettit? I'm trying to think of a good newspaper name now. <laughs> There's so much naming the last few days. Yeah. I write for the Laceport Enquirer. Can I just ask you a few questions? I, it's the first time I've been to, to the Blooming for a while. Seems to be getting busier every year. I, I can try and answer your questions. Um, uh, yeah, it's we've had a lot more, a lot more people from not around have been coming. I guess they've heard how awesome it is. It's the the blooming is really pretty. It it is. It's spectacular. I know you can see it from across the rest of the city, but like being up close, it's amazing, isn't it? I, I suppose. I mean, it happens every year, but the festival's really good, though. People don't really come to this area as often anymore, so it's it's great to have more people here. Good for business. So, so does that annoy you? Does that annoy you that people only come in once a year while the while the trees are blooming? Uh... For me, no, because then there'd be more people on my patch, and I don't want as many people looking for the stuff that I'm looking for, but it does make it easier to sell it, so... And what about this chap next to you? And not over to Rolf. Well, it's uh, it's, it's a day off, isn't it? You know, it's nice to get out, and, you know, it's not often I come down here and see everything so busy. You know, I'm always working, usually. I've heard from others in your district that the government, the other people in the city, don't seem to care for this area at all other times. Yes, it doesn't it annoy you that people are only coming here just for this frivolity, for this festival? Well, that's always how it is, isn't it? People come round here looking, looking when the trees are in bloom, but don't appreciate the work we're doing here or how beautiful the place is. And what work is that? Illuminate... The readers up in Laceport. Well, think of the f- the fine bone carvings we do here, the f- the flesh wood. No one else wants to use it. Well, there's not as many people to the rest, like the cafes and um, and and the local businesses. And so I know that's difficult for people whose businesses are not as mobile as mine. And and, and some of them had to. It's just tough. Yeah. It it sounds it sounds like lots of things are getting tough for people around this city. And I think we can maybe cut it there. That makes sense unless either of you want to do anything. No, I think that seems about no, right. No, I think that's good. 
I like how awful Elvie is right now. Like, I was imagining you know, it's quite a good character, and then it's like, oh yeah, they're just like one of these people who's like just pressing people for quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this young journalist, like, yeah, but isn't it bad? I know you're having a great day at this festival, but please, please, what what's the worst thing? Tell me the worst thing. God, I hate them already. Okay, uh, so that, that I think that wraps up my turn. So Ryan, background to you. Okay. We've only drawn diamonds so far. Anyway, that's the ace. So what are the plants like in our place, the rocks, the soil? So I think we've spoken about this a bit already. Obviously, we know that some of the trees are quite fleshy and almost similar to like alveoli from the lungs. But I think the, the 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 rocks and the soil, I think it's quite rich here in the sense that because of the area that it is and where the sort of decaying remnant was, it's made the soil very fertile. And I think that means the soil is quite dark, almost like um like a very dark red velvet cake sort of thing so very soft and very almost red and i think that the stone hmm what's the rock like here perhaps it's a lot of like clay and maybe like slate mixed together that kind of mix yeah sort of seems to make sense like you know kind of how a lot of New York is built on what was essentially the rubbish piles of the people living on the original island. Like yeah. that's how it got bigger and bigger. Manhattan, I mean, I imagine it's like similar here. So there's this lot of mix of clay and slate, and then just basically rubbish <laughs> that people yeah. have dropped on the edges of the island. It's kind of interesting for me because I think the larger materials I'm kind of thinking about for the island, other than, like, the stuff from these trees are, like, there's probably a lot of marble, that, but that's maybe imported. Yeah. The material I'm kind of associating with Kajoya, which is, like, the remnant of, like, mazes or, like, labyrinths, is bismuth, maybe? But that's probably just in the maze. That's probably just in the underground mm-hmm. thing. And how that got there, I've got no idea. I love the red clay. Red velvet clay. Think about it. I imagine like a lot of people have tried experiments with growing stuff in the forest then, if that's the case. Yeah, I think so, definitely. I think people... And I imagine that there's loads of weird cuttings and hybrids where people have like spliced plants into this stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. I'm imagining lots of really colourful kind of window boxes where they've taken the soil and tried to grow things from it. Yeah, really like that too. There's something nice about this district being sort of crumbling and like old and on its last legs, but also being really bright and colourful. It's just a really nice picture. And lots of plants everywhere kind of helps with that. I imagine after a festival, there's lots of people cutting off the blooming flowers and using them in their houses to kind of light them or just to add some colour. Yeah, that sounds neat. Okay, Uh, Ziz. All right. Okay. That is an eight. Ooh, what does success look like in our place? What do the inhabitants want? That's a big question. 
I guess I would think that success, because we've been talking a lot about upkeep of the buildings and making things as nice as possible. So being able to do things like add ornate carvings to the bone around your doorway. And I think now success is quite small. It's not having to close your shop. It's somehow being able to draw in that elusive outside customer to the cafe that you own. And is that different for like younger people here? I think so, because younger people, I I imagine they're they're not trying to get out, but probably trying to find work elsewhere because there isn't a lot here. There's finding stuff on the worms and going and selling it elsewhere. There's bits of adventuring into the tear. But generally, it's being able to find work elsewhere and bring money or whatever we have back here. So not necessarily young people moving away, but like bringing wealth from outside back into where they grew up. Yeah. There's a great deal of pride here, I think. So it's not trying to leave, but trying to bring things back in. Yeah. And there seems to be like quite a lot of opportunities for that nearby. Yeah. Did like the older generations look down on that though? Or is that like, oh, well done? I think it's a point of sadness. Mm. Not really, how dare you or, but it might be small schisms of because we're, they're surrounded by these violent neighbors, if you're working for one of them, so if you're working for the jackals as an assistant or something like that during a time where the jackals are putting a lot of pressure on this area, it's unpleasant. Yeah. When you're kind of like at family dinners or you're at home, but what are you going to do? you got to work somehow. Yeah. Cool. I really like that. So my turn. I've got a five. So I've got the question, what are the stars like in our place? The sky, the weather. Kind of really interested in this. Let me think. Okay. So I think this is a few different things. I kind of like the idea, and I don't know whether this is in the entire world or just here, that the dawn is different, or like the concept of dawn doesn't quite exist in the same way, because the remnant of dawn is dead. The sun still comes up, but it's not brilliant. It doesn't come up in the same way that we'd expect it. It's not this beautiful moment. It either just appears or is glitchy, or is just really dull. And because this remnant still exists as a corpse and still is partially not quite dead and still in people's memories. Sometimes you get those beautiful moments, but very rarely. And it's probably celebrated, you know, the occasional time it does, in the same way that we probably celebrate eclipses. I think thinking about the stars, they're maybe messed up. I think in the same way that, like, the whirlpool became this, like, royal of, like, water that's really hard to navigate. One of the reasons it's really hard to navigate is, like, the constellations here are just really radically different. And maybe even if you, like, try and create constellations 
something prevents you from making clean connections between the stars. I guess lastly, the weather. I think the weather in Embrace and in Atrium is probably kind of the same. I think it's quite warm and it's often quite humid. And it maybe rains quite a bit. But if it's not raining, I think the thing you expect is like bright sunny days. Lots of people like lazing around in the sunshine and like seeking the patches of shade that the buildings cast. It's always quite humid and muggy and it's probably the sort of place where if people can, if they're not working, like people try and find like respite from the midday sun. It's not a time that you'd want to be like doing manual work or doing stuff outside. Maybe something similar to like New Orleans then in that kind of sense, like maybe feels a bit swampy in that area. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've not been, but I can imagine. In my mind, it's a little bit Mediterranean, maybe, but like a slightly more humid Mediterranean. Does anyone else have any thoughts on like the weather or any of that? Or does any of that not fit? No, I think that makes sense. I mean, obviously, when you're imagining somewhere like a bit dark and grungy, obviously, you do expect the rain all the time. But I think that adding the heat gives it a different feel. Yeah, like I like the fact that it's industrial, but not just grim northern england yeah yeah sure i was wondering kind of on weather and phenomena type stuff Mm. about earthquakes i mean i am from california so that is a thing that i think of but just because of all of the maze and whirlpools i imagine some of that's still shifting yeah that's kind of interesting there are probably like almost two forms of it right There's probably the stuff that comes from the maze, which aren't quite earthquakes, but just strange tremors or like breaches through between like the two realities that are adjacent to each other. And I imagine because the island is just formed from lots of small bits of debris over time, you probably do get small tremors and earthquakes. And maybe you do get like large ones occasionally, but I don't think they've happened for a while. But, you know, sometimes things just shift a bit. Yeah, that sounds exactly like what I was thinking of with the earthquakes. Cool. Okay, um, I think it's Ryan next. All right, let's see what we got. It's the second seven. Invent a specific street, building, corner, overlook, or meeting place. What is it called officially, and what do the locals call it? Hmm... Uh, Yeah, if people have ideas, please feel free to. I mean, we've talked a lot about, like, cafes, nebulous cafes, and restaurants and shops that are kind of going away. So making one of those real could be kind of nice. Yeah, like a small block where... Yeah, like uh, the old high street. I definitely want a a florist that is... All of the flowers from the weird forest. I think that if that's perhaps called the the old high street. <laughs> yep. Officially, you know, in the sense that this was a market street, stuff brought in from the docks would then be sold along this street and people would come to that area to get it. Oh, yeah. Um, But what would the locals call it? Hmm. I mean, the old high street maybe feels like what the locals would call it. Maybe the like the rest of the city call it something else, because it probably wouldn't be the high street for all of the city. Yeah, I'm just trying to think what 
the rest of the city might call it. I mean, it gives me a feel of, like, it might be one of those places where some of the wholesale markets are, because it's so close to the docks, where the opening hours are a bit different than the rest of the city. That doesn't help you name it. I don't know why, but I've got it in my head that it's called The Shoot. All right. Sure. Just in the sense that, like, I don't know why I keep thinking about it, but, like, in the sense that that is where everything comes tumbling out of the docks. <laughs> the shoot or the tumble is nice as well. Yeah, they're both good. Maybe both, like that's... Okay, well, it's it's the tumble <laughs> shoot now. That's what this road is called. I think that's what it's unofficially called. And I think that it's the street is just called the Old High Street. I like it, yeah. So which question was this? It was the seven one, wasn't it? Yeah, second seven. So is there anything else that caused people to gather here, or is it just mainly the docks? And I guess the Umbral Provenders are also on this road as well. Yeah, I think as is said about the um, like wholesalers here and just just general market area, I think that's still, it might not have been as big as it once was, but it's definitely a part of it. Okay, so this is. Okie dokes. Six. The second six. Someone returns to our place changed. Who are they and how are they different? Um, what are the factions that are kind of in this area? Because uh, there's, there's 52 factions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There, there are lots of factions. I think there are less than that. Technically, but like the stuff that's in this area are the Umbral Provenders, who are the people that use the maze to trade and probably use that maze to go into weird places in the world. So that okay. might be a good one. All right. Like the Tanners are the people that do stuff with the weird wood. The Bismuth Men's, who are the people that deal with the Terra nearby, the Jackals nearby. You know, all of the religion and just general trade stuff will be roughly here. Maybe let's do something with Umbral Provenders and one okay. of their people. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Umbral Provenders? Yes, I think my wider impression of them is that this maze doesn't just cover the city. And probably what they're doing is using the mazes to go to other places in the world really quickly. Like dangerously, but quickly. And bring stuff into the city from that. I think last session, Steve said that they kind of have this building and most of their building appears like a normal shop but then there's like a I think it's like a basement space that is like where all of the illicit goods are so I'm imagining I don't know in my mind I've kind of set them up as you know smugglers and they kind of control this district I think Steve said okay so I'm gonna follow Roan Nim Ovid who is an umbral provender and Roan has been kind of wandering around the maze and I think has found a pool of some kind of glistening liquid somewhere underneath the forest. Okay. And has been experimenting with selling this as because it glows, it might be some form of light, and been trying to see what what its use could be. But over time and over working with this 
glowing, glistening liquid has begun to change. In what sort of way? That's such a good question. I hadn't thought that far. Is it like mutations, personality? Um, so I was thinking a little bit of both. I think Roan's humanity that's based around Rodella of the frills and the salamander-esque qualities has gotten stronger and the frills have begun to be even more glistening. Ooh. But now Roan, it gets, it's not fatigue, but there's an, a very obvious brightness towards the beginning of the day and a real dimming towards the end of the day. And it's not just being tired from a long day because the living in the maze or being in the maze so much kind of sets you away from the sun. Mm-hmm. So, and you can sleep all the way through from like the middle of the night till the middle of the day. But Roan can't do that anymore. Roan's internal clock is now really affected by what should be the cycle of the day, even if that's no longer connected. I really like that. Okay, um, so my next turn. I've drawn a free, so no tent yet. So this is our first free which is what the people listen to and perform here. What is considered the folk art? Hmm. Oh, this is so interesting. If you don't take the opportunity to introduce xylophone bones... Then <laughs> For fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah, xylophone bones. Like, there are lots of bone instruments. That's great. I'm, I'm into it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, it's good. I think there's a mix, right? Like, I think there's a kind of a little bit of a clash of cultures here in that I think there's a load of traditional instruments formed both out of bones and like using the like tendons which I imagine are quite flexible of like the flesh trees in that forest. Did we give that forest a name again? I don't think we have yet. One of the the tens is actually naming a garden so I feel like that is a good yeah, time maybe. to do that. So yeah I imagine some traditional instruments are kind of made from that and I imagine there's lots of lots of people making like small folk bands almost and kind of like practicing together and I imagine they're medium-sized bands like maybe around 10 people and you kind of have some people with like xylophone style instruments some people with like stringed instruments made out of these tendons and then a couple of singers there's a mix between quite poetic lyrical songs and like storytelling I think broader than that there's maybe as we've seen at the festival, there's quite a strong tradition of just festivals and celebrations and carnivals alongside that as well. And I imagine with the younger people, there's maybe like a newer form of music creeping in, maybe using lots of imported instruments. Um, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it is. Maybe like very drum heavy, maybe? Maybe using lots of imported drums but also made themselves from like the factories in like the northern part of Embrace. Lots of cast off materials, cast off metals used to make quite percussive noise and that clashes with this old folk tradition. Does anyone else have any thoughts? Yeah that seems to make sense. 
I mean, the only other idea I might have had was some sort of weird, like, tanned leather accordion. <laughs> but Oh, no. Just some weird instrument, weird wind instrument. But. I mean, I imagine that's probably in there as a folk instrument. Yeah, so there's, like, quite xylophonic instruments using the bones and, like, violin-style things using, like, the tendons and then probably, like, leather instruments. I don't really know what you do with, like, a... A squidgy, soundproofy flesh leaf, but yeah, I was trying to think what that would sound like. Who knows? Well, you could literally stretch that out and make it into a drum, right? That's true. So yeah. maybe that's like lots of what where the drums are being made. Like maybe the drumming tradition yeah. has kind of kicked off a little bit more here because there is that access to leather. It's almost taking the like metal percussive sounds of of like the rest of Embrace and then kind of adding their own twist to it. <laughs> I like it. Okay. So, back over to Ryan. Will we get a 10? No. Absolutely not. We want this game to go on until 2am. <laughs> the other eras are going to be super short. Alright, so I drew the second three, which is, what do people in our place argue about for fun? Whether at the bar, in the square, or in other social spaces? Do you know what? I'm going to make this super silly. I bet they argue about how many feet the remnant had. <laughs> and I bet it's like a old wives' tale sort of thing. And I bet that you have all these older people that just say things like, oh, by Rodella's fourth foot, I bet you this is right. And I bet they're always arguing that, oh, is that, it had four feet. No, it's got three. No, it's definitely got six. And nobody can agree, <laughs> but... There's always a reason for it, and they'd love to just talk about it all the time. I like the idea of like, of no, no, no. That was that was a foot that dropped off during the battle, and then it regrew. So one of those feet is not real. Oh yeah, I guess it's really hard to like verify in that way. Yeah, because you don't you don't know how many are not. We just keep finding all these <laughs> extra feet and limbs. We found another foot in the maze. It's just, just, just the entire maze is littered with feet. <laughs> I mean, I also quite like it because one of the humanities we've kind of seen from Embrace is like four arms, so it kind of fits quite nicely with that kind of argument. Yeah, like people going like, "Yeah, but these people have got four arms, so like it must be from Rodella, right?" I I only have like three arms and two feet, so Rodella had five, and that's and that's the correct number. I imagine it's just like got to the stage of just being small talk really like people just argue about it because it just gives you something to talk about and no one takes it too seriously yeah i really like it okay so over to users all right okay so it's the first nine so what do people eat and drink here what is considered traditional we haven't really talked a lot about like the fauna have we? No, not really. Fish or some kind of seafaring creatures? Yeah. I imagine there's like lots of fishing on the island. Like yeah. I can imagine that making a big staple. And because it's a trade place, I imagine there's lots of opportunity for lots of different styles. But like if there are particular dishes and stuff, I'd be interested to hear it. Especially in this district. Is there like a speciality? Food's interesting on the, in Embrace, actually, because there really isn't zero pasture. 
There's no grazing ground. Yeah, I mean, there's probably some outside of the island, but like not much within the city. Yeah. Um, actually, so I think in this area, probably what's traditional is everything put together in one pot <laughs> because you have everything. Okay. You're at the actual dock yeah. and you have wholesale prices because the tumble shoot is outside your doorstep and you have everything from the maze. So I think the food here is really, actually scratch that, not everything in one pot. I think the food here is really experimental. Mm, I like that. I think it's it's very much using things that live in the maze, using things that live in the sea and trying to put them together in interesting ways, taking stuff from the pastures are on the banks of the river and trying to mix it with interesting kind of like whatever kind of spices and flavors come out of the forest. So it's lots of unusual fusion, not of like cultural food, but of types of food that would never be near it, near each other. I like the idea of like people not from Atrium being like, oh yeah, if you go for a meal in Atrium, you're either going to have the best meal of your life or the worst meal. Yeah. And there's no, no, there's like no in between. Well, I think it's, it's, it would be kind of, maybe it's even a point of pride to try something new and have it fail. Mm. That it's not a place where you rely on your staples. It's not like me where I have chickpea pasta every single night. You're always trying to invent something new. Yeah, that's really good. And I bet you get some like amazing chefs from this place. Yeah, I think they might end up rebelling against this area and go, okay, actually, actually, we might be taking the experimental food a little too far. It's okay to cook something you know will be good occasionally. But yeah, they really know how to work with all kinds of different ingredients. Yeah, I imagine because like a lot of them are just buying what's cheap, right? So it's just like, go down the docks, buy the cheapest veg, and let's see what we can do with it. Buy the cheapest fish. Yeah. That's really cool. So see how many different types of items you can get for this amount of money. Go. Okay, so back over to me. I wonder if we're finally going to get a 10. I believe in you. No, that's an eight, which is our second eight. That is not a 10. It's not a 10. No. An eight is a really interesting one, actually. So the news is dramatic. The tensions are high. What is the news and how is this reaction physicalized in this space? I think this is the announcement that one of the factories in the north, which is outside of our vision, has been closed down. I think it was one of the like dying factories, which I think is like one of the big industries that sustains probably a lot of people in different districts. And maybe like employs a few people here, but more than that, I think it's seen everywhere in our space in like the fabrics we wear and in the dyeing of the leather that goes on our houses and that we export to other districts and other homes and is like one of our main forms of trade. And I think the reason why news is dramatic and tensions are high is that it's preceded by and joined by like a load of strikes. And the reason that this factory is shutting down is I think it's a change in technology. I think a new technology is invented and brought into place that 
makes the process of creating dyes and dyeing things a lot less labour-intensive and kind of mechanised. And it's one of the first examples of this kind of creeping into our city. So yeah, I think within our space is physicalised in those couple of ways of like, both it impacting us through like industry and clothes and things like that, but also I imagine a few of us are either workers there and join in the strikes or people feeling sympathetic to the strikes or angry about other reasons that are drawn in. And it doesn't quite boil over onto our streets yet, but there's definitely a more noticeable presence of like the what is the city police force who are called the Swifts. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Obviously, people are upset and it's causing tensions to rise, and so it's not making for a nice environment to be in at the moment. Okay, so um, Ryan's next. Okay. Oh, I've drawn a 10. Nice, our first 10. So, do you want me to read through how this works? Yeah. So, when you roll a 10, that signals that our current cycle, our current focus of time has come to an end. So the first thing we're going to do is you, Ryan, you're going to pick one of the questions in the 10 section to answer for us. So which question would you like? Okay, I think I think I'm going to choose someone important, socially, political, or emotionally in our place dies. Who were they, and how were they killed? How are they remembered after? Okay. So I think it's going to be whoever is the leader of the temple. Sure. Do you want me to give you a name? Yeah, that would be nice. Okay, so I'm trying to think about which religion this temple belongs to, because I've kind of got, like, three named. And this is your choice, Ryan. So I think the main religion of Embrace is a group called Parsant, which is kind of quite a fatalistic religion. And they've not worked out many details, but I think like their main worldview is the world is broken, the remnants are broken. And it's kind of a little bit based around the idea that we only have our time on this earth. And like it's very much you're going to have as much time as you have, both in your body and as a spirit. And you should kind of make a the most of it and like the other two religions are the ethereal precepts which are all about the spirit being really pure and holy and the most pure form and they're kind of like the second religion and then the main religion of the world that was seen who are kind of an underground religion here are the adherents of what remains who are very firm in the belief of remnants being gods and being divine creatures and obviously that isn't a thing that has much truck with people with an embrace. So do you have an idea of which one of those groups it might be with? I think the Parsant seem to fit the best, especially considering the region we're in and this temple being carved into the bones of a decaying remnant. <laughs> Seems very on the nose. So what was the question? It was like someone really important. Yeah, so someone important in the place dies. Um, Tovac? Imagine them like the sort of level equivalent to like a cardinal, that kind of thing. Yeah. 
in the sense that they led the church's work in embrace. So they're maybe not even based in the temple within Atrium? Maybe they're just, like, visiting or something? No, I feel like they are, and I feel like because of, like, the way this temple was created, I feel like this is, you know, one of the main churches in Embrace. Yeah. Because it kind of encapsulates all their ideas, if that makes sense, in the sense that, you know, the world's broken, here we are inside the remains of this remnant. (laughs) Yeah, that's really nice, because I've kind of got the image of there being, like, a big cathedral on the hill over where Kadroya ended up. So the idea of there Mm. maybe being two main cathedrals or whatever, like the equivalent is that we're calling them, is kind of nice and kind of fits the theme of there being two remnants. Yeah, definitely. So I think that I'm not going to go as far to say that they died mid-sermon or anything, but I think that if anything, it just went to prove that a lot of what they preach is right and that people should make the most of their time here. And I think that it was nothing malicious. I feel that when they died, it was just a natural end to their life. It may have been a surprise, perhaps something, you know, unexpected, but natural all the same. I think that the people in the community saw it as gosh, we really don't know what time we have left and we should make the most of every moment because anything can happen at any point. So we should be living closer to this, the Parsons' views. And I guess it's kind of quite nice because I like that that could both drive someone towards quite drastic action of like, hey, I've got one life, I need to change stuff. And also like away from it. Because you're going like, I only got one life, why would I risk it on this when I could make sure that I'm okay? And I really like that. Yeah, definitely. It's going to push people different ways and think suddenly you've got differing preachers in the in the churches vying for this cardinal's position. And, you know, everyone wants to preach at this temple because of it's one of the more iconic ones in the city. Great, I like it. So the second thing we do when we pick a 10 is we get to roll the die again. So you're going to roll a d6, and that's going to tell us how far forward or backward we move in time. So would you like to roll a dice? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so I I rolled a four. So we're... I think we're going to go forward four weeks. I think it'll be nice to see where we end up after what happened with the church and see what's happening in the community in four weeks' time. Yeah, and also, I feel like getting closer towards when we're starting, at least now, feels quite interesting. So, the last thing we do is we get to collectively decide on some answers to some questions. So we can either each answer one question in a circle or all chime in. I think all chiming in seems nicer. Yeah, definitely. So the questions are, do our characters' civilizations still live here? If not, who lives here now? Does anyone? I mean, my sense is that they do. I say, I think it's the same people. Yeah, has anyone that we've kind of met left, do we think? No. Not from the current goings-on, I don't think. And then we answer, what does the place physically look like now? Has anything visually changed? How does it smell now? How does it feel here? 
maybe a bit more glum. I can imagine that if you know things things are things are happening in the city and people are losing their jobs, you know. I think it might be a bit busier though as well, where we've got kind of flocking to that high street, the tumble shoot, just to kind of gather and talk about everything. And now it's kind of become a little bit of a gathering spot. I imagine also there might be like tributes around the temple, maybe loads of people from elsewhere in the city coming to a temple as that's the place where, you know, this cardinal died. Yeah. I don't know what form of tributes to take. Maybe they just buy like flowers and stuff and leave them outside. And then the last question is, does the place still use the same name? If not, what is it called now and who calls it that? I think it's the same still. Yeah. I think it it's probably the same, but it might have like a new common name. Cause I really imagine not just for people who are in this area, but for the people who would kind of travel through this area on the way to the factories, people might be gathering, so maybe some kind of word for that. I mean I kind of quite like it being tied to the fact that like this religious figure died here. Hmm. What was the what was their name again? Did we have a pronounce that person? I think they were they, them. Okay. Uh, and I think I said Tovac. Well, not so much on the name, but I do like the idea of there's this temp- this cathedral that's now full of people, but with no one to really guide them yet. That it's people are kind of flocking to it, but not find- finding kind of guidance from different sources that are saying different things. Yeah, that like makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things we didn't really touch on that I realised we should have after that question, Ryan, was how is this person remembered? Was this person like someone that people liked or As I said, I think the a lot of the people in this area perhaps weren't followers of the religion. Mm. In the sense that they are more I'm imagining this place is a bit more of a working class neighborhood, in the sense that they can't think in the way that this church wants them to. If they think that way, then surely they'd begin to question their lives in the sense of, why am I doing this job? It's meaningless. Or when I could be out there doing much more and having a much better life. So I think that the way that they perhaps perceive it is that maybe they'll get someone new that will come and maybe preach a word that is resonates more with them. Yeah, I like the idea that there are definitely versions of this religion that probably work really well, but like this cardinal is not being focused on that. Okay, so we now get to play our second cycle. So we've decided to move forward four weeks and kind of answered the questions about where this is now. So kind of a busier, more sorrowful district with a lot of tension in the air. So Ryan took the last turn, so it goes over to Ziz. Okie dokes. It is the third six. Something small but noticeable is destroyed. What was it, and who or what destroyed it? Okay. So we've talked about how people not necessarily of this area have been flocking to the temple to leave remembrances 
for the fallen cardinal. And I imagine because so many are flocking here, especially in a time of turmoil and not knowing what to do next, that these remembrances are beginning to spill out of the cathedral and into the area around it, into the road, the sidewalks, and it's making things difficult. That one night, a group of locals come by and just clean it up. It just They destroy this remembrance. Not trying to be indelicate or not trying to actually smash anything, but they just can't be there anymore. Life needs to move on. They need to be able to actually go down the road. So, And who leads this? It'd be good to put a name to a character who convinces people to do this. Um, Unless it's one of the people that got interviewed. I don't think it would be the Dodger. No. I guess it could be. Um, basically, I, I think what it is, is it's a sm- like the business owners of the high street, because the temple's on the high street. And it's making all of the people who actually run businesses there start to struggle to act to have normal function. So that would include Rolf. Did we have a pronoun for Rolf? Ryan? I think Rolf is he him. So is he the one that kind of pushes everyone over and goes, okay, let's do this. I don't know that he's angry enough, to be honest. Did he sound angry earlier? He was pretty he was pretty blase. And I want it to be someone with a a long-standing Nim name. Okay. Um, who's really proud of, maybe like if there's a, not the parent-teacher association, but like, or neighborhood watch, but if like whatever there is of that in this area, they definitely lead it. Um, what about like Coril Nim Triss? That sounds good. So Coral Nim Triss, they are... Basically, on every in every meeting that had happened around this district, they have a lot of pride in in their home and are just really tired of all of these remembrances. And so they go to all of the businesses and say, "Okay, we need to do something about this. We need to to clean up this street." And how many people back them up? I think about twenty. Is it like rogue agents in the night, or is it like? The community businesses go, yeah, do it. I, I think it's it's I it's not rogue agents in the night. It's the community, like it's all of the basically all the business owners on that street and some of their assistants or shopminders show up and just have basically what looks like a really mild mannered community project against these tourist church people. That sounds good. Okay, so I'm up next, and I've got a free. So this is our third free. A new style, fad, or devotion sweeps our place. What is it? Who cares about it? So I think in this gap between the local people and the church, and in this like void that's opened up at the top of the church, given Tovak's death, there's kind of space for alternate religions to thrive. 
both alternate doctrines of Parsant, as well as some wilder cults and sects and things like that. So I think in Parsant itself, maybe the temple gets taken over by a local priest who was there when Tovac passed and helped with all of that, and is very like pragmatic and locally minded. And she's not officially instated, but kind of just takes it on herself that this is her temple. And the doctrine of Parsant that was preached by Tovac just isn't fit for purpose for the people around here and kind of creates a new version that's that suits the people around here and is a lot more focused on DIY and helping each other and sure we only get one chance at this and this is it. So we may as well make that as good as possible for everyone around us. I think her name is Lena. I think the second devotion that kind of opens up the second fad is more dangerous. I think it's a traditionalist cult calling themselves our sweet durance that kind of really reveres not remnants themselves, but these bodies, both the forest and and the maze, and it opens up in the gap between like the bismuth bands that guard the tear and the umbral provenders and the jackals, and it's really focused on these dead things and what we can get out of them and the maze and the weirdness holding those things to be in some way holy. Creepy cult time. Yeah, creepy cult time. Okay, um, back over to Ryan. It's the second ace. Okay, I don't like this one, so let's have a focus. And what focus are you thinking of doing? So I'm going to choose see an omen. Here the player may gesture at a future possibility. An omen may be the classic type, a comet or a spell gone awry or something that points to the materiality of the world. A hungry animal in from a famine in the countryside, or an heir to the throne that sickens ahead of a coup. This is a chance to set things in motion. The player narrates what is seen by who, and how it is perceived by those that hear the news. Do you think there's something here that is a very revered good that is created in this city that people wouldn't like to see go elsewhere. Did you say wouldn't like to see? Yeah, so something that's very precious to this city and they wouldn't like to see leave. I imagine there are a few options maybe? Perhaps maybe something part of the remnant? Yeah, so there's obviously these trees and this regrowth. Um, There are like the bits of Rodella itself. I'm trying to think of like what would be connected with the maze, but this might be a little bit too off screen. There's the bismuth that forms the maze, which I imagine is not just metal, but something slightly magical or like has interesting properties. Okay, so what I'm imagining here is that there begins to be almost rumours that an unknown party has started trying to mine the bismuth that makes up the the maze. Okay. And suddenly there's whispers amongst the people that they've seen carts moving at night with these strange metallic rocks covered in burlap just being taken out of the city. And I think that people start to become nervous of the fact that 
somebody's trying to sell the one one of the truly great resources of Embrace, and they don't know whether that's damaging what's left of Kadroya. I think as this word spreads, I think it's starting to anger the people of Embrace. They're not sure who's to blame at the moment, but someone with a lot of power would have only been able to get access to the the tear and be able to start bringing this bismuth out. One of the things I'm interested in is like how this relates to Atrium, whether the Umbral Provenders are the people that bring it to our attention, or whether they become suspect. I think that actually they are the sort of people that would bring it to light. Maybe they are the ones starting the whispers. Especially since they are the ones that use these mazes to do their smuggling. What they don't want is for their layout to change because somebody has broken down a wall. Yeah. Or to suddenly reveal one of their secret secret pathways. So I think that they've noticed these changes and noticed somebody taking this bismuth out and they are telling the people of Atrium. That makes sense. Okay. Back over to Ziz. Alright. Still not got a two. Two! Oh. <laughs> that means I get an easy question. Yeah. I think. I haven't looked at it yet. Nope, you gotta name something. No! That's fine. Just focus situation instead, you know? Yeah. Well, because we've got like, it's name a monument, marker, statue, or other physicalized memory that exists in our place. What does it mark? And for such a small area, I feel like we have quite a lot of places and not a lot of history because we're only in weeks. So I think I'll do a story. Okay. That sounds good. So what what does uh, doing a story mean? Tell a story. The player adopts or invents a storytelling character in-game. Briefly describe them, their name, what they sound like. This may be an old bard, an entertainer on TV, a parent with a bedtime book, or something more abstract like a bird cawing at the morning. And other players may enter the scene as listeners, who may choose to interrupt to ask questions, roleplay or narrate telling the story. The story that is told is known as a fiction or legend, not an actual course of in-game events. However, the stories we tell about our world are as important as the things that happen in it. Cool. I still have to name things, though. Yeah, do you have an idea of who this is? Well, initially, when I was thinking, oh, I'll do a story with one of these, I was thinking it'd be nice to do one of the, do- like the, what the, the Dodgers tell as they're climbing and collecting things. And kind of Mm. chatting to one another, having it be probably the Dodger I was able to not name earlier, but should name now. Yeah. Would you like some name suggestions? Yes, please. I've just got my list of like random names for like irrelevant stuff. One of the ones that kind of works quite well is Midrib. Oh, I like it. Midrib. I don't know if that's like a nickname or their actual name or... I don't know. Cool. So who is Midrib? I think you got away without really describing them earlier. Oh, did I? Oh, I didn't notice. <laughs> um, I think... So, Midrib is kind of a super gangly middle teenager. So, that that stage when someone's hit like their growth spurt and is super gangly and just doesn't hasn't quite grown into all of their limbs yet. 
which I imagine with having Midrib has four arms and they haven't quite grown in the same time. Oh no. So like two really gangly arms and two slightly shorter arms? Yeah, yeah, they have their growth spurts have hit at different times. Cool. Unfortunately. Are they, they them? Um Yeah. Okay. I kinda like the idea, but this is side, of of choosing. Yeah. Kind of late in physical development. Yeah, there's something really nice about that. Yeah. And so you can you get the choice to you get the ability to choose, but there's like a, a myriad of choices. Yeah. But for now, uh Midriv is they them. Okay. And is half gangly, half still quite short. <laughs> and where does this story take place? I think this story takes place on top of or climbing the worms. The story that I want to tell is a tale about the worms. Okay. And the relationship of the maze to the worms and the stuff that's found there. I think it would be quite fun to have a story of what it means to find different types of stuff on it. So I think it's kind of, I guess it's one of the few points in Embrace that I'm aware of, or the Dodgers are aware of, where Kadroya and Rodella are working together. They're not there anymore, but the their remains are have a symbiotic relationship. And so kind of exploring how, even though their relationship before was really chaotic and violent, that now these two, these like worms that are coming through the forest um, from the maze have learned to work together. Is it like rumored that one of these worms is sort of Kadroya based and one of them is Rodella based? Well, I think it's not really known super well how the stuff that's in the maze ends up being part of the covering. Like there's like different folk tales about how that happens. And so I think it's more that they're both. That both of them are both. Okay, that makes sense. It's not really understood how that how that even happened. I can imagine this being quite like a just someone telling their mate on a building site a thing. Yeah. Like, oh, so you've heard about this. Okay, so I get the next card and that's our second ten. So we play out the same ending sequence. So I choose one of the questions and then I will roll the dice to see how far forward or backwards we go. Oh, can I be really mean? Just building off what the last story was. Yeah, of course you can. Mean how? So I'm going to choose the question, there is a great loss, one that sets new burdens on the inhabitants of our place. How do they cope? And what have they lost forever? And I think the worms go. I think their like piles are still there, still towering high, and I think the Dodgers will be able to survive on them for a little while, but they just stop showing up. No! And no one really is sure why. There are different rumours. There are different recriminations. I think some people point towards the Bismuth Bands, the 
group of people that go down into the maze to stop envoys and stop things from happening and say that they murdered them. There are people that point towards whoever is mining. They suggest that maybe the worms kind of crossed their paths and not knowing what they were doing, the worms were destroyed. Or maybe the habitat got destroyed and they fled or a whole range of different fairies spread through Atrium. And the thing is, people are kind of pushed over the edge by this. Even people who weren't that attached to the worms, it's a huge loss. The two worms were a symbol of this sub-district, and everyone feels it keenly. Everyone feels their loss. 